Hello, Church Project. How are you? All right. Someone's super awake in the front. That's good. Thanks for, thanks for leading us in worship today. That was awesome. Uh, it's good to see all of you here today. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the elders here. Last week, I was uh, gone. I was in Pennsylvania. That's a beautiful, beautiful place. I was there about a, a week or two too early. The leaves weren't changing yet. Uh, but it was good getting away last week and just kind of refreshing. And I, I'm like the doctor that says, don't smoke, and then I go outside and smoke. Or I'm like the pastor that says, take time, be still before the Lord, focus on your soul and the pace of your life, and yet I run 100 miles an hour. Any of you do the same? So last week, thanks for allowing me to, to go away and to be in, in Pennsylvania and spend some time just, just focusing on who God is and to just rest my soul as, as I spent time with him. Uh, Weston Kurz did a great job, phenomenal job, teaching last week's passage um, all about children and parents, and it was a phenomenal passage. And so if you uh, weren't able to hear that, it's on our podcast, and so you can go and listen to that. But I would, I would say go and listen to that, because Weston, good job, buddy. That was incredible. If you're a first-time guest to Church Project, we're glad that you are here. We've been walking through the, the book of Ephesians, and we're nearing the very end. In fact, I think we're only going to have about three more messages, including this one, so two more after this, in Ephesians, and then we'll be going on to another book or another topic of what God has for us. But as a church, we hold the Bible in high regard. Like everything that we do, we want it to be scriptural in everything that we do. And so that's why we go expository teaching. We teach through an entire book so we know the context of what God is trying to tell us and what he's trying to show us. So the context of today is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. If you do not own a Bible, uh, there's a Bible over on the lamps on either side or there's one under a chair next to you. You can open that up and it's on page 676 of one of those blue Bibles. Uh, so go ahead and open to page 676 or Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Before we get into this passage today, uh, I want to tell you, uh, if you know some of the elders of the church, just keep your eyes focused on them today. We've been here since maybe 6.30 this morning, praying for the church and talking about what God has for us. And so make sure we stay awake today, myself included. Uh, our ladies, we're having a, a Bible study early as well. Like there's a lot of cool things that are happening at Church Project. One of the things that we do is we highlight ministry partnerships. And this month we're highlighting Youth for Christ. And so on your chair, most of you, there's a card that says yes. And that's a card for a fundraiser, a moneymaker thing. What is that? What Fundraiser? What do you want to call that? Fundraiser. This is Ryan. He's the director, the executive director of the whole thing. That's happening tomorrow. And I'd encourage anyone and everyone to go and take a lot of people and be a part of that. Uh, Youth for Christ are doing incredible things. So thank you very much, Ryan. Um, let me go ahead and, and just jump into this passage. I'm going to read it. I know, Chad, thank you for reading it, but I'm going to read through it. We don't have a lot of verses we're going to cover today. In fact, a lot of you, if you were pre-reading, you were thinking we were going to get through this whole spiritual armor and all this stuff. No, we decided to cut it in half today because I think God has something incredible for us. So let's look. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, 
against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. How many of you have read this passage before? How many of you are familiar with this passage? Very good. I think it's pretty fitting that we enter this passage, and this week we enter October. I don't know anything about you and your makeup, but I I look back in the past of of my life, the past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, and and I think I I personally, maybe I need to go get checked out by a doctor. I'm not sure. I, I personally, in the month of October, am heightened to spiritual things. And it's almost like this, I don't want to say oppression, but Halloween is just around the corner. And maybe that's what it is. I know Halloween's coming, and it just kind of makes me mad that we celebrate Halloween the, the way that we do. And, and I know Satan moves in those areas and in our lives. And so when I enter into October, I really start to get this heightened awareness of spiritual things, almost to the degree where I walk around and it feels like just a thick, maybe heavy oppression. Anyone? Am I, am I just weird? Do I, should I go get checked out? I might need to go get checked out. Okay, I hear that. I, I got you. Regardless, regardless of what we think about Halloween, whether we celebrate, I love, de- I love dressing up. I love all that stuff. But regardless of what we think about Halloween, when we enter into this month, there is a spiritual awareness that people tend to be thinking more about ghosts and goblins and all of these things. And as we enter into this passage right here, I think one thing that's absolutely beautiful is this very first word. What's this first word that we encounter? Finally, Paul is the one that's writing. He's he's in house arrest, and he's writing to the churches. He's experienced a lot in life. He's written a lot. He's talked a lot. He's discipled a lot of people. He's shown people the love of Jesus Christ, and he's in house arrest, and he's writing what's going to be one of his last letters, his last words, and literally, it's almost the end. Paul, for Paul, It's almost the end of this letter as he's wrapping up, but soon it's going to be the end of his life. He's beheaded and he's killed for this very cause right here. And so he's saying, finally, church, finally. And he gives us his final message for this letter and one of the final words for his entire life. The guy is put to death. One of the things that you know in Christianity and maybe you've encountered it, especially if you're in college right now and, and you're getting professors that are just against Christianity. One of the things that people will come against Christianity is saying, how do you know that this is true? Well, here right here is one of the things that you can say that Christianity is true. If it were not true, how, why would so many disciples, so many apostles, people that walked with Jesus, why would they believe it to the point of death, being beheaded? Like, don't you think if this was made up along the way, someone would go, time out, I was joking, don't kill me. But we see over and over and over again, men, women that are so sold out and their lives have been so radically, drastically changed that Paul says, finally, I'm willing to go, I'm willing to die, I'm willing to say this because it is true. This was a magnificent story made up I would say, pause. My bad. I'll make up another story. 
Paul does not say this. His life has been so radically changed. This is proof against any critical criticism against Scripture and the validity of Scripture. Right here, his life as he leads and he speaks and he says, finally, and then he goes and dies for this very cause. It reminds me of, of, a, of, a, of a scripture, a story in scripture, and maybe you're familiar with it, with it, and it's two women. They're fighting over a baby. One lady says, this is my baby. Another lady says, this is my baby. And a wise man says, okay, I can settle this. We want, we'll, we'll find out who the real mother is. Take the baby, cut him in half, and then you guys can both have equal say. And what does the real mom do? The real mom says, no, 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 don't kill him. She can have it. The real mom's willing to say, take my, my, my child and let the other woman have it. That's the real mom. She loved the baby so much that she's willing to just give it away because she wants the baby to live. Paul, he's writing this. He's saying, finally, I believe in this message so much. I'm about to die for this message so much that finally, here are the words that I want to say makes me think. I don't know about you. makes me think. What words would you insert next if you're Paul? It, literally today, if today you were to say, finally, comma, then you spew words, what words would you say? What would be your final remarks? <laughs> And I can think of some remarks that I would make. Like, I love my mom. <laughs> I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my dog. You know, all those things that you're supposed to say to remember, but remember by and you love and, you know, all that. After, after that, after that, what would you say? What would be your final remarks? And Paul says, as we look at this text and we look at the whole letter of Ephesians, Paul says this. He says, stay united in Christ. He's saying, church, stay united in Christ. Stay focused on Christ. Because if not, you will be picked off. And Paul says this with much passion. He says this with a lot of pathos. Like, he means this. His life is a living example of this. He's saying, stay united in Christ, because if not, if you're not focused on Christ and who he is, Satan will pick you off. And all we have to do is we have to think back to the Saul version of this man named Paul. Before, before Paul became, uh, become, before, how, what am I trying to say? Before Paul, wait, no. What am I trying to say? I can't even say it. You know what I'm saying. He was Saul. Now, he's Paul. He's the Paul version of Saul. Whatever, let's get off that. I'm confusing myself. Saul did not know the love of Jesus Christ and was a terrible man. Paul knows the love of Jesus Christ. He's been transformed by this powerful message. He used to kill Christians, and now he's about to die as one. Look at this transformation. And so if anyone has the track record and the passion to say, finally, stay focused on Christ or you will be picked off, it is Saul. Paul. Forget it. It's Paul. Let's get off of that. Man. I'm getting confused. So he say, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And as he is speaking to us, church, his final message to us, he's saying, be strong, 
Be strong in what? In his might, in his might. Not by my strength. Not by in the strength of hard work. Not by stay strong in the strength of practice or experience or pride or diligently working for something. He doesn't say stay strong in your own talent. He doesn't say stay, uh, he doesn't say stay strong in your 401k. He doesn't say find any hope in anything, but say stay strong in what? In his might, in the strength of the Lord. I'm having problems mixing up my words today, huh? You can laugh. It's all right. Go ahead, laugh. It's okay. You guys are laughing at me. We get the message. In our own strength, what happens? When we try to move in our own strength, then we move as men and women on our own. Think about a time in your life, maybe that you tried to move forward in your own strength. How did that work out for you? Like, did it work out well? Here's an illustration for me. I am a man. Would we all agree? Okay, very good. Men typically have a lot of pride. I, I have a lot of pride as well. And, and you will definitely see this come out when it's time to move. I have no idea why. Move anything. Move a 6,000-pound trailer somewhere, I'll try to pick it up by myself. Why would I call a friend to do this? That's stupid. Like, I can do it myself. Over and over again, I've learned that I will try to force my way through something that I probably shouldn't. Maybe that's why my back hurts now. Not sure. But here's one, one story. Moving from Oklahoma to Mexico, and my wife was sleeping, and, and we had a U-Haul at our house in Oklahoma. The plan was load it up when she wakes up and, you know, kind of do that whole thing. But I woke up early, and I'm like, I'm going to start packing this thing. And so she's asleep. I avoid the whole plan. I start packing stuff, you know, and then start getting mad at her because she's not awake yet, even though we planned for her to wake up later, right? You get it? You see where I'm at? I, I'm loading this trailer. I'm doing all this stuff. And then I had a brilliant idea. I've got a piano dolly. I bet you I can load a piano by myself. So I put the piano on the dolly, and I start just pushing it up the ramp. Any, any of you guys ever tried this? It's stupid. Don't. Don't. Uh, and, and I think I got about halfway up the ramp, and I ran out of gas. You ever run out, out of gas? And this, I don't want my piano to suddenly roll back on the dolly. I'm sitting on the ramp, and I'm just like, oh, dear God, what do I do? <laughs> no one's awake. Everyone's asleep. I didn't call my friends like they told me to call them. No, I can load the piano by myself. I can do this on my own. So I sat there. I, I think I put my foot under there and let it crush it for a while so it wouldn't roll. I'm thinking... I'm about to tip this piano off, and it's just not going well. And I don't know how, other than brute force, because I'm pretty strong. I don't know. I, I pushed it up and got it up and thought, okay, that was dumb. Any of you ever done something like that? And maybe not physically, because women, you're smarter than men. I don't know. But have you ever done something where in the middle of it, you're like, why am I here again? How am I doing? Why am I doing this or attempting this again? On my own strength, I'm trying to do this again. And it's unity moving forward in the church. It would be so much better. Peter, come help me with the piano. Anything like that would be so much better. But we are full of pride over and over again. And Satan knows this. He says, take your eyes off of Christ. Satan's saying, take your eyes off of Christ. Try to do this on your own, and you're going to find a piano stuck on a ramp halfway up going, what have I done? As a Christian, it's not intended for us to live life alone. And Paul is saying, stay united in Christ. Stay focused on Christ. Because Satan will come, and he would love to pick 
you off. I came across a commentarian this week, Kenneth Bowles. He writes a great commentary. It's the College Press NIV commentary. It's a great one. If you want to just grab one and start studying with us and reading other thoughts and stuff, there's brilliant people out there, smarter than me, believe it or not. Like, brilliant people out there. And this is what he said, I, I, and I had to write this. The Christian is not intended to defeat the enemy single-handedly, but as part of a united marching army, and this army is the church. I'm going to read this again. The Christian is not intended to defeat the enemy single-handedly, but as part of a united marching army, and this army is the church. I say amen to that. That's why we are part of the church. That's why we came to Greeley years ago to start this church. Look around right now. We're intended to move together, united as a body of Christ, focus on Christ as we push back the gates of hell. There are so many people without hope within an arm's throw distance of where we're at. Our neighbors, our coworkers, the people we go to school with, they are people trying to live life on their own and the piano's stuck halfway up the ramp. They're thinking, how did we get here again? I don't know what to do in this. And we have the solution, the hope of the world, the love of Jesus Christ. That makes me come alive. What about you? I love moving together as his body. Do you? I love being a part of this. I love every single ministry partnership that we have at Church Project. I love all the house churches that we have going on here. Like, this is bigger than any one of us. It's all of us moving together, united in the battlefront of pushing back Satan in this world. And Jesus says, John 15, 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he, it, or it, is, it is he that bears much fruit. Uh, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, remain in me. I am the vine. Stay connected to me. Stay connected to his body, and we're going to do incredible things in this world. Paul's saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Welcome to October. We get to this word devil. You know what that word means? The accuser. That's what the devil, that, that's, that's his name. You might as well say, the accuser. Because that's all he's got. That's his only weapon. All he can do is accuse. And, might I add, falsely accuse? Because this is how he works. He will oppose us with his, what does the scripture say? With his schemes, right? Look at that in verse 11. The accuser will oppose us with what? His schemes. It is up to us as if to whether we will pick up his schemes and run with them or we will see them for what they are. Schemes. So the accuser, the best thing that he can do is he can come scheming in our direction and pose an idea for us, and we either pick up that idea and believe it, or we run from it. Do you see how Satan moves in our life? Let me explain how he moves in our life. Satan will come in, the devil, the accuser, and he will accuse you. Very first and foremost, he will accuse you and he will accuse me of not being loved by God. 
He accuses us at the core, our identity. He accuses us of not being loved by God and that God doesn't have your best interest in mind. Think back to the Garden of Eden. I mean, think back to the very first thing with Adam and Eve. What happens? The schemer comes, the accuser comes, and what does the snake, what does he whisper to Eve? What does he whisper? He says, did God really tell you to not eat of this tree? Because he knew that if you did, you would be like him. And at the very core, begins to accuse you and attack your identity and who you are in Christ and to try to separate your identity from Christ. That's the first thing that the accuser will do. He will come and he will whisper that you're just not good enough. He will come and whisper, you failed again, loser. He will come and whisper all these dark things that, you know, keep us up late at night, keep us thinking, keep us concerned, keep us worried. Keep us wondering what people are saying about us. The accuser will come and rip your identity, first and foremost, from Christ. Has he ever done that to you? He attacks our identity. He makes us self-conscious. All right, it's a poor illustration. I know it, but we've all been there, so I'll just go there, all right? It's like Satan comes, and he puts a booger on our nose. You ever had a booger on your nose? Have you ever talked to someone who had a booger, a cliffhanger or something, hanging off their nose? And you're trying not to look at it, but you're like, dude. And you feel self-conscious for him, don't you? You're like, do I say something? What do I do? The whole time you're self-conscious. That's a bad illustration. I get it. So let me go to a cleaner illustration, okay? Lauren and I call it the buffet mouth. You know, you eat, she'll look, and she'll be like, huh, I'm supposed to check her teeth. You know, I call it the buffet mouth, like pieces of food in the teeth, all that. Any of you ever wonder, I wonder if I have food in my, in my teeth right now? And you're like, Mike, whatever, you, whatever. That's when you get a drink of water, you try to swish it around, you make sure you're all clean, right? But you know, for the other person, when you see that thing in their mouth or the booger or whatever, bad illustration, I get it. But you feel bad for them, don't you? And us, even I, we walk around and wonder, I wonder if I have teeth or food in my mouth. And you, don't, you smile like this or whatever because you feel self-conscious. Well, here, that's what Satan wants to do. Simple form, I know you can pick on that story. But simple form, that's what Satan wants to do. He wants us to walk around feeling self-conscious. Not alive in who we are in Christ. But he's picked us off at the core of who we are. So we're walking with a little less stride, with a little less joy in our life. So Satan will come, and he will accuse us in his scheming juvenile ways, and he'll attack us at the square root of our identity, and then he'll come to this. And number two, he will present you with a lesser option. If God is the God of life, the giver of everything, the the founder of joy and all this, Satan cannot do anything but accuse and scheme, and so he'll try to scheme his way to present with you a, a lesser option. A subtle, subservient idea of God's best desire, his perfect will. He'll try to sell you something false. He can't make you buy it. But he sure is trying to scheme his way into your life, rip your identity from you, and show you a lesser ideal. And the third thing that he will do is if we don't flee, it's going to be just enticing enough. And we're going to begin to wonder, what if? What if I can be like God? 
What if? Will anyone notice? Maybe just this one time. It's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> well, for me, I've been working hard enough. I deserve it. Like Satan comes. He schemes. He accuses, rips our identity, shows us a lesser option. And then it's up to us whether we're going to buy that or not. All he can do is present this idea to us. He's crafty. He gets us where he knows he can get us. And church, I want to ask you this. Are you going to pick up that lesser idea? Are you going to pick up that lesser ideal? God has so much for us. Let's call Satan what he is, and he is a accuser. And let's call God and Jesus who he is. And he is the author of all life. And in James 4, 7 says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He has no power over you as a child of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. You want, you want another scripture? I'll give you another one. 1 John 4, 4 says this, The one who is in you, Jesus, is greater than the one, Satan, who is in the world. So why would we give the accuser the time of day? Why would, we, uh, why would we let him attack us at our core identity of who he is? Why would, he, why would we let him just give us an idea of a lesser joy, something fake, counterfeit? And why would we even entertain that at all? We think of our lives right now, and we think of what, what, what Paul is saying in prison, his last words, and he's saying, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the scheme of the accuser. Get to verse 12 and 13. says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have, have done all to stand firm. I read verse, verses 12 and 13, and I think of another story. Think of a story in the Bible found in 2 Kings. And maybe you're familiar with this story, but it's just a beautiful story of Elijah and, and his servant. And, and the, the enemy is coming to attack Elijah and his servant. And the servant starts freaking out and saying, we're going to get destroyed. We're going to get annihilated. And Elijah, a godly man, says this, and he prays. He says, God, please open the eyes of this servant so he can see how much you are around us. He prays. The servant's eyes are open, and it says that when his eyes were open, he could see the force that was stronger against anything coming against them. And he opened his eyes, and he saw the hills, and they were filled with horses and chariots of fire and God's army fighting on their behalf. But he couldn't see it until Elijah prayed. He said, open his eyes. See, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's in the spiritual realm. Satan, the accuser, wants to come and he wants to attack you. But here's the deal. As God's children, we have horses and chariots around the hillsides all around us. 
surrounding us all day long as we move about the places and spaces. And so when you think that the Satan, the accuser, is coming and scheming, just stop. Pause. Pray. God, open my eyes. Let me see your strength. You are greater than the schemer and the, and the guy that's trying to kill me in this life. Do we do that, church? Or do we try to just put on a smiley face and move about our day? In our own strength. Doing our own thing. Because we want to be politically correct. Or whatever our excuses may be. Church, Some of us can read this passage and we can read the one that's coming up next week, which I'll be here for the one next week. Like, I I love this one, the the helmet of salvation, the sword of truth, all this stuff. I love all this. It's good, good. But I ask us a question right now. Do you give Satan more power than he actually has? It's one way we can deal with him. Or... (laughs) Do you just act like he doesn't exist and he's not out to kill you? Because he is. And he's scheming. And he's accusing. And he's coming after us. And Paul, in his last messages to the church at large, his last word that he speaks is church. Stay united in Jesus Christ. Stay focused on him because he will pick you off if you're not. I want to close with this verse, Philippians 1. Verses 27 and 28. Philippians 1, verses 27 and 28. And this is what it says. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are church, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. Can I talk heart just a second? And when I close that, we're in trouble. Here's here's reality for where we are. Even church project. The reality of where we are. Satan is trying to accuse us. He's trying to attack us. Even on the eldership level. He's trying to let pride come in. Trying to let us get selfish. He's trying to let it to be about each one of us individually instead of us corporately as his body. He's doing that on the eldership level. He's doing that on church project level. And by for sure, he's doing it on each one of us, our lives individually. On that level, he's coming in and he's trying to attack you. He's trying to make you think that if you work just a little harder, you, by your own strength and power, can push through this one. Doesn't that sound like scheming to you? 
He's trying to come in and he's trying to make you feel so guilty about what you just did last night or that thing before or how you don't add up again or you don't amount to whatever. And he's trying to bring things up in your past to make it seem like that you don't belong to a child of a king. But church, hear this. You do. You do. You're a child of a king. You're loved regardless of what you have done, what you will do. God loves you. Have you called on his name? Have you surrendered control of your life? Or have you been schemed to think that you can do it on your own? Pray for your church. You pray for me. You pray for your brothers and sisters that are in your house churches. You pray for our ministry partnerships. Ryan, we pray for you all the time, man. Because Satan knows if he can take you out, he took your whole ministry out. Right? Laura, wherever you're at, there you are. Krista. Pray for our ministry partnerships. Pray for Dayspring. And pray that we would stay focused on Christ. And we wouldn't believe the lies of Satan. And he wouldn't be able to pick us off. Because I just have a feeling that Satan's got a feeling, especially a church project, that if he doesn't pick us off soon, he's not going to be able to stop us. Like, Greeley will be changed. Northern Colorado will be changed. The world will be changed because God's name will be known in this place. Why? Because we're focused on Christ and it's not about us. As Paul gives these final words, It makes me think of what my final words will be. And they better not be superficial. I hope they are packed full of eternal truth, like Paul's words here. And a reminder to us that we would stay focused on Christ and we would stay united as his body as we push back the gates of hell. This is what I give my life for. This is the rally call of Church Project. This is what I'm united for, and this is what I'm excited to be a part of. Are you, church? Let's celebrate who God is in our life. Let's celebrate what he's doing with us at Church Project. I'm gonna ask us right now, if you would, just close your eyes. Close your Bible. And let's just see what God has for you. I believe that God is speaking to each and every one of us in this room. Like his spirit is moving and prodding in our hearts and prodding in our minds. And maybe he's moving and saying, hey, listen to this. You've been believing something the accuser has been telling you. Don't pick that up. You don't have to pick that up. Let it go. Whatever he's saying about you, that you're just feeling not worthy or guilty of, let that go right now. Be free of that. Break free from that bondage. So in this place, if you're comfortable with it, just hold out your hands with your palms up in a very submissive, a physically submissive stance. It's hard to hold on to something when our hands are open and our palm is up. So whatever the accuser has told you about your identity that doesn't line up with the king that says he's died and given everything for you, You are worthy. You are equipped. You are loved. 
the king is proud of you, if, if none of these things line up in your head, then put that lie of the accuser on those palms and say, God, take this from me. I don't know why I believe this about myself, but I've fallen into the schemes of the accuser. Please speak to me and replace in me that pain and that lie. Replace that with love and truth and hope in your word. Maybe where you sit, just say a little prayer. Say, God, show me who I am in you. Show me that you're proud of me, Daddy. Show me how much you love me, Dad. Father, God. And already the battle begins. Don't pick up the lies. Search the scripture. Let his spirit wash you over right now. I am the vine. You are the branches. Stay stay in the vine. Stay focused on who he is. Let him tell you who you are. Not the accuser, schemer, liar, deceiver, destroyer. Some of us, this is going to be a hard, long process because we have years built up. For years, Satan has been lying to us, telling us how we're not worthy, not loved. Church, that's your old self. Don't pick that up. We're not Saul's, we are Paul's. God has given us a new life. Our identity is found in him. We are worthy because of him. Don't feel guilty of that. Just accept that. Don't try to understand that. It's too big to comprehend. That God Almighty would send his only son to earth to die for our sins so his blood would cover over all of our sins. And if we unite with him and lock our eyes with him, he whispers life of eternal life and joy and purpose and peace in our life. Would you accept that today? Some of us, we're in here. We've never given control of our life to Jesus some of us, we may need to say, God, I, my life just doesn't line up with you. I have so much wrong, so much baggage in my life. It doesn't line up with you, a perfect and holy king. And God says, I wash over all those things. Call on my name. Some of us, for the first time, we need to, may need to call on the name of God. Say, God, here's my life. I surrender control of my life. Use me however you want. But God, tell me who I am and show me who I am in you. May it be about you, not about me. Every single one of us in this place. I know God is saying, find your identity in me. Not in what you do, but in who you are. So as you sit, say, God, wash over me today. Show me who I am in you. 
May I be lost in your identity. May I be filled with your love. God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for who you are. as God is washing over you and healing you right now and speaking to you, some of you, you may need to take one of those cards that are on your chairs and just write down some prayer requests. We pray for those. As we move into this next moment together, I pray it's with this heart posture that we stand and we worship our King and we say thank you, God, for who you are. So I'd invite us right now to just stand. If you have a child in Project Kids, if you'll quickly and quietly go retrieve them and come back so we can worship together. You can worship God through your giving of tithes and offerings in the back left. You can worship God by writing your prayer requests down and putting those in the offering box. You can worship God by sitting there and praying. You can worship God by standing and worshiping. But I'll ask all of us, if we would, stand right now and let's say, God, thank you for who you are and what you've done, and you're worthy of our praise.